Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Content Classroom, the podcast produced by the Virginia Council for the Social Studies, where we interview educators and historians about anything and everything relating to teaching social studies in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And if you have a topic that you'd like to discuss with us on the podcast, we encourage you to apply to be a guest. Just follow the link in our show notes. Today's guest is Maggie Creech, the manager of museum programs at the Virginia Museum of History and Culture. Maggie is an enthusiastic museum professional who is passionate about bringing the work of the Virginia Museum of History and Culture to life and telling the stories of all Virginians through the many programs she facilitates. Today, we talk about all of the changes to the Virginia Museum of History and Culture and what you can expect to see at the museum when they reopen on May 14th. And now, here's Maggie Creech. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Content Classroom. Uh, I am so excited because today we are talking with Maggie Creech from the Virginia Museum of History and Culture. Welcome, Maggie. Hey, Sam. It is great to be here chatting with you. Yeah, we're so excited that you're here and so excited to talk about everything that has been happening with the museum. But I always like to start out just by getting a little bit of info about you and your work at the Virginia Museum of History and Culture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I guess I will start with a little bit about my work and then I will move into a little bit about me. Um, So I, at the Virginia Museum of History and Culture, work as the manager of museum programs, um, which is pretty much a dream job for me because I get to have my fingers in like a little bit of every department's pie. Um, So mostly sort of day to day what I'm doing is co-managing our education department, um, scheduling field trips, creating programs for students and teachers, um, working with our um, group tours to schedule adult tours, things like that. Um, But over the past few years, I've been able to really expand into helping develop some of these new exhibitions that we're gonna be talking about. Um, And we've really increased our virtual reach also. And then I do a little bit of public programming here and there, open houses, uh, adult programs, stuff like that. So I love it because I get to do a little bit of everything, which is my favorite thing to do. Um, But before I worked at the Virginia Museum, I've been here for about about four years now. Um, I worked at a couple other museums in Richmond, sort of on a part-time basis in a variety of different departments. Um, And before that, I was an archaeologist. I have my master's in archaeology, and that is why I love museums so much, because I love objects. I like things. So it all worked out. Okay, this is so cool. I don't think I even knew you had a master's in archaeology. Yeah, yeah. I went to grad school in London at the University College of London, Um, got my master's in archaeology. I traveled around in undergrad and grad school doing digs in Greece and Israel for a little bit. Um, Yeah, I know casual. Like um, very low-key flex. Um, um, but, I just did digs in Israel. It's no big deal. <laughs> I know people are always like, wow, I've never really met an archaeologist. And I'm like, that's so funny. I met a lot of them. Um, and then they don't think that's a good joke. So maybe maybe don't include that in the podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, so I thought um, I would maybe come back to Virginia and do some archaeology here, but North America has um, different certifications than Europe does for archaeology. And so I found myself in education departments talking about objects, which is honestly what I always liked to do the best anyway. So it all worked out. 
Oh, that is so cool. Oh man. I, we need to have a totally separate podcast episode just talking about (laughs) archaeology because I have a thousand follow-up questions. Um, Okay. Well, we are so glad you're here. Maggie, the main reason that you're on is to talk about the huge renovation that the Virginia Museum of History and Culture has been undergoing. Um, And we know it's been closed for how long now? Ooh, let's see. We pushed our renovation dates like sort of full speed ahead, um, uh, I guess, two years ago in March of 2020, when um, sort of the world shut down for, for the COVID pandemic. Um, the very small silver lining there for us was that we could we could push our construction schedule up. Um, so we have been working on it uh, really actively since then. So I guess for the last two years. Wow. Okay. So all of us, I think, at least in the history world, and I think also in the Richmond community, especially, but also in the Virginia community, are so excited about the reopening. And I'm wondering if you could just kind of give us a little tidbit about some physical changes to the space that we might see. A little sneak peek, if you will. Yeah. Um, Yes. So there will be obviously a lot of new galleries and things. We will touch on that in a little bit. Um, But just sort of uh, from, you know, a broader brush. Um, we are going to have a cafe. We're all very excited about that um, within the museum. Like all the staff are very ready to go work in the cafe and like get coffee from the cafe. So we are going to be our number one uh, customers. So we will have that. We will have um, a new expanded gift shop um, and a you know bigger focus on retail and like cool stuff to buy from us. We will have a, a theater. I guess is a very cool thing. Um, we will have like a, like a, I think about a 15 minute video uh, sort of introductory experience about Virginia history um, that visitors can see. And mostly it's just a facelift. Like the building was beautiful, but it's old. And so we are brightening things up. We're freshening up paint. Um, we're moving walls to make things just bigger and brighter and more welcoming. Oh yeah. And I think, you know, I was going to say that the music, The museum is beautiful to begin with. Um, I've only been a handful of times because I'm a Richmond transplant. And I, uh, the last time I went though was for a teacher's happy hour um, right before COVID closed. And I just remember having a lot of delicious wine and cheese and walking around the museum and having just the best time. So I'm so excited to be able to do that again. Yeah, I think my favorite thing about the renovations is that the building was always beautiful and it was always really big, um, but because it sort of developed over the last hundred years, um, we kind of call it a Frankenstein's building sometimes, stuff just got added on. Um, The space wasn't always used the most efficiently. And so since we've approached getting the building more unified, we can have even um, more spaces for you and other teachers to walk through with your wine and your (laughs) Well. I mean, it is all about me. So I do, <laughs> I do appreciate you going through all of the trouble um, to make me and other teachers feel even more welcome in the space. Um, so one of your new permanent exhibits is called Creating Our Commonwealth. And you mentioned kind of in our pre-show, uh, we were trying to dis- decide what we wanted to talk about specifically. You mentioned that this is something you're really excited about. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So it is called just our Commonwealth. I think that maybe we had a program called Creating Our Commonwealth at some point, Um, but the exhibit is just called Our Commonwealth. 
Um, and so we are all really excited about this. Um, so for anyone who has been to our museum um, or is familiar with our, with our museum in years past, our sort of permanent marquee exhibit is called The Story of Virginia. And it's a great exhibit, um, but it does take a pretty traditional approach to Virginia history. So it's a timeline approach. It is um, big people, big moments, things like that. Um, so expected, great stories, great exhibit, but not a ton of unexpected content in there. Um, our Commonwealth is going to be taking a regional approach to Virginia. Um, so instead of taking you through a timeline, instead of starting you, you know, with the first peoples immigrating to Virginia and bringing you up to modern day, um, you'll start in Tidewater and you will work your way through all the different regions of Virginia. Um, so I'm really excited about that because it's opening up some new opportunities for how we talk about Virginia's history. Um, we'll be able to have more 20th century stories. Uh, Virginia has some really old history, so, so it was hard to spend so much time on that and then also have room for the 20th century. So we are having a lot more 20th century stories in our Commonwealth. Um, and we're also gonna have a lot more about what it feels like to be a person like living and working and playing in Virginia. Um, what sort of that experience of being a Virginian, either a native Virginian or a person moving to Virginia, what that is. Um, so sort of internally, I think we've been saying that uh, the Virginia Museum of History and Culture, like the story of Virginia is the history and the com our commonwealth is the culture because we're gonna have a lot more about like food and music and festivals and things like that. Um, so very, very excited. Okay, this sounds really cool. And also it's like hard for me to imagine at the same time, because I think a timeline is kind of what, like, like you said, it's what you expect when you go right, to a museum. Right. And it makes right? sense, right? You're learning history. You're learning it in a timeline. <laughs> yeah. So are, are different like parts of the exhibit, like specific to regions? Yeah, so when you walk into the exhibit, um, it will be divided into rooms and each room will be a region. And so I will say, unfortunately for my uh, geography, like Virginia studies teachers, they are not the exact regions that the Virginia Department of Education has, um, but they are very similar. There will be a lot of overlap. Um, so we have the Tidewater or Eastern, um, Eastern coast of Virginia as one region. We have Central Virginia as a region. We have Northern Virginia as a region. We broke that out from Central just because we do feel um, that people living in Northern Virginia have a very different uh, way of life than people living in, you know, I don't know, Petersburg, just because of its proximity to DC. Um, and then we have the Shenandoah Valley. Um, we have Southwest Virginia. So those are our big five. And so, visitors will be able to sort of circulate their way through. Each room will have visuals that will sort of indicate to you where you are. So in Tidewater, there's going to be a lot of water imagery. Um, in Northern Virginia, there I believe is going to be some traffic lights. So anything you might associate with the region to sort of give you this like experiential feel. Um, there will be soundscapes, sounds that are um, common to the areas, things like that. And then, each region sort of focuses on a big three. So each region will look at how the geography of the region impacts um, the economic opportunities and the jobs and, and that sort of thing that's available to people there. 
It will look at the food and the music and the culture of the region. Um, and then it will look at uh, like, a, like a historical watershed moment, like a, a moment where something in that region was never the same afterwards. So some of those are gonna be really familiar, right? In, in the Tidewater, that's going to be something like 1607, Jamestown. Literally nothing was ever the same in Virginia after that. 1619, the first arrival of enslaved Africans. Literally nothing was ever the same after that. Um, so some of those are gonna look familiar. Uh, but some of them might be a little less familiar. Um, and then I'm really interested in learning more about the Southwest. We're going to be doing the we're going to be doing a lot of uh, focus on music. Uh, the Carter family, June Carter Cash, who married Johnny Cash. Um, we're going to be looking a lot at Appalachian music. We're going to be looking a lot at tourism of the Shenandoah Valley. So I mean, there's just it's really ripe for different uh, different areas we haven't explored before, and I'm excited about it. Um, this sounds amazing. And I have to say that June Carter Cash is a way bigger pull to me than stoplights um, yeah, for yeah, Northern yeah, Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I might be spending more time in Southwestern Virginia. <laughs> in music uh, is more fun to you than sitting on 95. <laughs> no, I think I have PTSD. I can't go back there. <laughs> I can't. Um, we um, are going to even have like a little dance floor where people like learn can learn uh, traditional dances. So it's going to be cool. Oh my gosh. This is amazing because um, I went to a, a PD session with uh, the Center for the European Union Transatlantic, Transatlantic Space Studies, <laughs> best acronym ever, um, at Virginia Tech. And we did Appalachian dancing, Appalachian Irish dancing, and it was so much fun. Um, oh, so that sounds, sounds perfect. Yeah, that sounds really great. Um, so I think this is really actually genius. I'm sure I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know, but to me as an educator, this is genius because this is actually providing some real connective tissue between yes. these regions and Virginia. Whereas like, for instance, if you're curious about colonial Virginia, I mean, you go to Jamestown, you go to Williamsburg to kind of hone in on that. Um, if you're learning about the civil war, you might go to some battlefield sites or something like that, but this is really providing that like bridge between all of these regions and connecting them together in such a cool and unique way. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think, um, it's important for people from all over Virginia to come to our museum since we are, uh, the acting state historical society. It's important for people from all over to come to our museum and see something about where they live in our museum. Um, and so because so much of Virginia's history, sort of early history does take place in the eastern part of the state or the central part of the state, I, I do feel that there are parts of the state that haven't gotten as much attention paid to them. And so I'm excited to have this regional approach where we can tell more of those stories and people, you know, taking a weekend trip to Richmond can come in and, and see stuff and be like, oh, I went to that festival or, oh, my mom has told me about making a family quilt or, or something like that. I think it's important to let people connect. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the greatest thing about this whole exhibit is that you all are focusing on stories, right? Yeah. And um, I'm wondering if you want to tell us about maybe one or two of your favorite stories that are sort of highlighted in the exhibit. 
Yes. So I actually wrote this down because I wanted to make sure I didn't forget (laughs) because I am so excited about some of these stories. Um, So I think sort of overarchingly what I'm excited about with this exhibit um, before I get into specifics is again, this focus on the 20th century. We're gonna see more of that. I already mentioned that. Um, And it's also going to be a focus on a a more diverse idea of what it means to be Virginian. Um, A lot of times in Virginia history, even you know when when historians are doing their very best to tell the most diverse and the most inclusive stories in the 1700s or the early 1800s that is black people white people and um, and native american people virginia indians but as we move into the 20th century there are just waves of immigration bringing a much higher population of um, Asian individuals or latinx individuals and just people from you know all over the world and so we are gonna be able to feature those stories a lot more prominently as well, uh, which I am just so excited about. Um, So one example of that is in the Northern Virginia section, really, I guess the central to Northern Virginia section, because they do bridge each other as they connect. Um, We'll be talking about uh, Columbia Pike, which I don't know if you are familiar with, but it's a, a three mile corridor in, in Arlington, Virginia, um, and it has uh, immigrant communities from Southeast Asia, East Asia, Middle East, Africa, like Central and South America, like literally countries from all over the world, from all continents across the world, sort of living there and creating their own communities um, uh, in Arlington. And those are stories that really started to flourish in the 20th century. And because we're spending so much more time focusing on that, we can tell those stories in a way that we weren't able to in the story of Virginia. Um, And a fact that I learned sort of like prepping for this exhibit is that, um, or I should say being in meetings with people who were prepping for this exhibit, credit where credit is due, um, is that baseball is has historically been um, the United States most popular sport, but soccer is the most popular sport in the world. And so in a lot of places in Northern Virginia, there are these uh, kids soccer teams that are providing this like incredible way of people from different countries to connect with each other because they have this common language of sport um, that is really popular in a lot of different places. Uh, So I loved that story. I think that's really cool. We're gonna be focusing on some kids sports teams and things like that in the exhibit for Northern Virginia. Um, So that's one story I'm very excited about. Um, Let's see, Tidewater, uh, we have a lot that we're focusing on, but my two favorite things um, that have been confirmed for the exhibit, so you should see, are vintage bathing suits from (laughs) from the early 1900s. Suits, Um, and then the Mariners Museum has lent us a tattoo gun. Um, So as sailors would come into these ports in the Eastern part, there would, this big tattooing tradition grew. Um, And so they lent us a tattoo gun and some early sort of displays of of flash art uh, for sailors for tattooing. Um, So I'm excited to look at that story and see how it expands it. Yeah, I mean, cause you know, Richmond and, and Virginia is like, a very heavily tattooed state these days. So I'm interested to look at how that story expanded as well. 
Oh my gosh. That is so cool. Because I, yeah, I was just thinking, you know, as everyone knows, Richmond's like one of the tattoo yeah. capitals of like the United States. Isn't it something like the most tattooed area per capita or something? I read that when I moved here six years ago. So I don't know how true it holds, but I, I cannot imagine that we aren't still up there on the list. Yeah, I think I also read that when I moved here six years ago. So we probably read the same article and I'm sure it's still true. Um, no need to fact check us, anyone. Um, no need. Uh, but that is really awesome. I just love that all of these are such different things than you think of when you think of like a Virginia museum, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, I, I forgot to mention this and it's, it's incredibly important um, that we worked with partners from all over the state. So we did work with... Uh, museums from two museums from each of these regions um, to help us identify stories that they felt as as museums representing that region like as museums on the ground in those areas that they felt were important to make sure that we were like accurately identifying individuals who needed to be talked to um, and and to make sure we were like building relationships within the communities um, we have a statewide reach and we the Virginia Museum of History and Culture is a wonderful museum but we are located in Richmond we do have a central Virginia bias um, because that is where we live and we work so we wanted to make sure that we were making connections with people doing the work in their own communities to see what they thought was important so the Mariners Museum are, are the ones who gave us that great tattoo story uh, which totally makes sense but I never would have thought about it that's that's amazing and I really like um you know when you're talking about like the soccer teams and just the overall focus on play I think is not something you see a lot in terms of like history it's not a huge like focus in terms of like historical disciplines um but I think it's one of the most interesting to to kids you know like kids want to know how other kids play and how they have engaged in things throughout history and even now yeah I mean there's so much focus on um even even in public history with the move towards focusing more on like the average individual and the everyday life and all of that which is absolutely wonderful there's still so much a focus on like what work do they do and people are more than work, people are play and people are, are products of their environment and they're always gonna find sort of creative outlets. And so I think it's really exciting that we're exploring those. Yeah, that's, that's gonna be so awesome. I can't wait to bring some of my students there. And I cannot wait to take kids through this exhibit. I just think that they are gonna like, no matter what the group is, see something that they connect with. And I'm so excited. Oh yeah, it's gonna be amazing. Um, so, in addition to all of this, you know, you guys have been going through this crazy remodel and have really just done, like you said, a huge facelift on the museum, but also really put so much time and effort into this new exhibit as well as others. What's your reopening timeline looking like? Yes, um, right now it is it is a crazy mad dash to the finish in the building, um, but we are looking uh, at a May 14th, May 15th opening weekend. Uh, so that's a Saturday and Sunday. Um, as of now, we are planning to sort of do a community block party thing, food, music, open doors, um, come on in, get highlight tours, um, just really trying to sort of reintroduce ourselves. Uh, to Richmond and, and to the state after we reopen. Um, and then we will have, of, of course, themed program like throughout the summer and stuff like that. Very cool. 
Um, any other sort of festivities that you all have planned or um, I know we had kind of semi-discussed maybe doing like a little teacher get together. Yes, absolutely. Um, so on May 18th, uh, if, if you guys out there aren't able to make it on the opening weekend, May 14th, 15th, on May 18th, we are going to be doing an event specifically for teachers. Um, so it'll be a teacher open house. There will be snacks, there will be wine, there will be sodas, if you do not wish to partake of the wine. Um, and there will be just sort of uh, events and tours and things like that geared towards both telling teachers about our resources and like asking you guys to please identify the narratives in these new exhibits that are going to be useful to you in the classroom. There are a lot of stories and we wanna make sure that we are developing the ones um, building resources around the ones that are going to be helpful to teachers. So that'll be a little bit quieter, but we want yeah. you guys to come. Yeah. Yeah, I can go and recreate my 2020 before the pandemic closed us all down. I can go and recreate one of my favorite nights of teacher happy hours. So um, yes, and VCSS will definitely be there. I will be there for sure on May 18th. Um, and we just can't wait. Uh, we're just so, so excited. Um, I'm wondering if like, you know, there's anything else like that you guys, I mean, not that that's not enough, no, that's but, not enough. <laughs> but anything, any other sort of like projects or anything that you're working on right now, or are we just trying to like get it all in before the museum opens back up right now? <laughs> yes. So I will say the majority of what we're working on is the reopening, um, but there are a couple other exhibits that I did just sort of want to like give a shout out to that will be opening at the same time. Um, one of them is a temporary exhibit, but it's a traveling exhibit from the Smithsonian called American Democracy. Um, so that's about, you know, sort of our great American experiment, how it developed, is it working, is it not? Uh, what steps can we take to make sure that we, we are reaching our fullest potential as a government? Um, and so we're really excited about that one. We're of course putting in some Virginia content. We are, we're well suited to do that with an exhibit about the government. So that's really exciting. We expect that one to be fairly popular for classrooms and for teachers. Uh, so we'd love to take y'all on tours of that or bring your classrooms. Um, but the other exhibit that I and our education department as a whole um, are really excited about and have really been working on is we are gonna have for the first time a K through five elementary aged like hands-on family gallery with activities and dress up and things that kids can touch um, really geared around the idea of communities, uh, Virginians who have helped their communities, uh, both you know, the natural communities, so we're gonna be looking a little bit at flora and fauna, but as well as like, you know, people community, um, as well as the museum community. So lots of hands-on stuff uh, to bring maybe our younger elementary schoolers to. Um, we really wanna create this idea that museums are a fun place to go as a first grader and museums are a fun place to go as a fourth grader and they're a cool place to go as a high schooler and they're a cool place to keep coming back to as an adult. Like we want to grow with our visitors. Um, and I'm also wondering, Maggie, you do so many, we were, I was kind of saying before we started recording, like you do so many virtual programs. It kind of astounds me like how you even have time to be on here right now. Um, <laughs> since we have to wait with bated breath until May 18th, how can uh, everyone sort of engage with the museum right now? Absolutely. Um, so we do have 
a, a pretty big slate of virtual programs coming down. Um, so I think I will list maybe some of my favorites. But if you go to our website, virginiahistory.org, um, we have a calendar that's constantly updating with events. Um, but some ones I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, we have a book club coming up in March. We will be reading the book Tidewater. It sort of looks at the John Smith Pocahontas story. We will talk about what it does well, maybe what it doesn't do as well. I'm enjoying it so far, um, but I love a good book club, a good Virginia book club. We will have a program called Movie Myth Busting in April, which is um, Holocaust Memorial Month or Holocaust Remembrance Month. Um, and we will be doing the book thief with the Virginia Holocaust Museum um, to learn a little bit more about Virginia's role during the Holocaust. Um, so those are two big education programs, but we also have a slate of monthly webinars that teachers can tune into with their students and their classrooms. You can book a program directly with me if you wanna connect about a topic in your classroom. Um, and then we will be doing actually a program with all of our partners in early April called Commonwealth in Conversation, where all of the partners will talk about a story that they recommended for the exhibit, uh, our Commonwealth. So you can chat with all of them too. Very cool. And I will also say as someone who has booked your um, program to come to my classroom virtually uh, and talk to my students that it is so worth it. My students keep asking when we're doing another one. Um, they absolutely loved it. So uh, we did the Civil War in Medicine program. Oh, that's a, that's a gross one. I really like that one. Yes. Yeah, they had a good they had a good time, and it was like the foot soldier, like medicine, like stuff like that. So it was all good. They loved it so much. It was great. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on here. Um, it's just been a delight. And is there anything else that we missed? Any projects or anything that you're personally working on? Um, not that you have time, um, because like I said, you do 10,000 things. Um, but anything that I missed before you before we leave today? I think maybe the last thing is just that we are going to be having some teacher professional developments this summer, some like one off one days, and then as well as some longer week long events. Um, so you can really dive into some of the new exhibits and the new collections uh, in those in those workshops because we're going to be developing new content for them. So would love to see people there. And those are free, which I think is the most important part. Awesome. And can people apply just on the museum website? Yes, so they will go live on the museum website um, in a couple of months, but there are save the dates there. And if anyone has any questions, they can just email me at mcreach at virginiahistory.org. Okay. Well, thank you so much again for being here today, Maggie. We really appreciate you. Um, and listeners, I just want to say, don't forget to follow the Virginia Council for the Social Studies on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Maggie, did you want to share the um, Virginia Museum of History and Culture's Twitter or uh, social media? Yes. So we have uh, two different sort of social handles. Our education department specifically is at VMHC Education, and that's going to be teacher geared content um, and cute dog pics when people walk their dogs past the museum. Very important. Very um, important. And then our sort of main museum socials are at Virginia History. Okay, perfect. And if you want to follow the Virginia Council for the Social Studies, we are VA Social Studies, all one word. 
You can also follow me on Twitter. If you recall, I'm very new to Twitter. Um, so I somewhat recommend following me. It's a good time sometimes. Uh, so my handle is at Sam underscore Futrell one um, because apparently there are a lot of Sam Futrells out in the world. You know, your username's always taken whenever you want it. No, it's um, because you're number one. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Maggie. <laughs> See, this is why we had you on. Um, but thanks so much again, Maggie, for being here. Of course. I was so excited to be able to do it. Yeah. And listeners, if you like today's episode, subscribe and give us a five-star review as it helps others find our podcast. We will see you next time on Content Classroom.